This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Jamie. And this is the Codependent Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you guys for listening last week. We have been like so blown away with all of the messages we got and all of the reviews you guys have left and just like just the love that we've truly felt from you guys has been amazing. Incredible. I swear I sat in my car on Monday, last Monday when we released and I literally just cried. Like I I expected to like reach people and I know people were really excited to hear the story and I think it was really I I felt like it was going to be good but your guys's reactions made it 500 times better. It was like surreal. Honestly, the whole day itself was just like amazing. We were just every every time we got a new message and every time we got a new view on our podcast or a new download and a new rating, we just like I don't know, it was hard not to just feel so emotional that entire day and I just wanted to say thank you to you guys because you guys are the reason that we like get to keep doing this and that we want to keep doing this. And we had so many messages that said that you felt like what our vision was, which was that we wanted to feel like your guys' best friends. And I know that so many people hate when influencers say that their followers are their besties, but I felt like we truly felt I that. I had totally <laughs> There was people that DM me that were like... I was listening in my AirPods, and Jamie was in my left ear, and you were in my right ear, and I just felt like I was sitting in between you guys, and that is, like, what we pictured. That is exactly what we wanted. And, and people sent screenshots in their car listening to it, and that was, like... The moms doing, like, dishes. And also, we were talking to one of our really close friends, and she said it really hit her when we said that we wanted you guys to feel like you had an adult voice to listen to. And that just, like, almost makes me emotional, because... I mean, me and Kenzie have each other and we have that, but, but so many moms don't have just like an adult, adult to talk to that's not their spouse or significant other or or whoever. But I just love that you guys like really felt that and you were able to connect in that way because it was just, I don't know, it was everything we wanted. It really was. And I, I don't think I was expecting it off the bat. Like, I think I was expecting this will be like, yeah, it'll be a long haul type of thing. Growth into this. Yes. But it. It happened pretty fast. It happened. I mean, the messages we were getting were just like incredible and meant the world to us. So thank you for listening last week and thank you for being here this week. And we're super excited about this week's episode. It's something that is like really close in our hearts and we have felt really heavy to share for a really long time. At least I know I have felt that way. Um, So Jamie, take it away. Yes. So... As you guys know, the 
the hot topic on Instagram, on both of our Instagrams, especially Kenzie's, was a while ago she shared a story about how she did not want to allow sleepovers. And she didn't realize that sharing that one little thing would get her so many responses and so many questions and just mostly people curious, but also some people like, why Why would you do that to your kids? That's I feel mad. Like, I feel like I am so non, like, confrontational or controversial. I really try so hard to stay away and steer clear. And I definitely did not think that the hill I was going to die on was sleepovers. No. Like, but- I would have been talking about politics or something <laughs> else that people would hate me for. But no, it was sleepovers. It was. I got such a strong response to that that I just felt like... I think that was one of the reasons we wanted to start a podcast. That was especially your story, but then also the sleepover thing because there were so many questions and I just felt like Instagram was not the platform to speak about it. And I felt like it didn't do anything justice and it wasn't doing me justice and it wasn't doing anybody else's stories justice. To try and answer these questions and these what ifs and these offshoot scenarios. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen in 15 seconds. 15 seconds and something that went away. Yep, exactly. Like, we needed this to be somewhere. And Kenzie's story deserves that. It deserves this space, and it deserves a platform that she can go back and listen to, and you guys can hear, and you guys can go back and reference, and you guys can, I don't know, just feel and connect to this. And so this episode is definitely going to be a heavy episode because it does go um, into Kenzie's story, which deals with sexual assault. And we wanted to just give a quick disclaimer that if you're listening, that this could be triggering um, for you or for people around you, emotionally, mentally, whatever it may be. But we did want to give that quick disclaimer on that because we will be talking about sexual assault. And we also wanted to give um, a hotline that is for um, sexual abuse victims. And we wanted to give this hotline because we want you guys to just have one extra resource. If you're going through it, if you know someone else is going through it, we will also put this phone number in our bio description on our episode. But I did want to give that number, and that number is 1-800-656-4673. And we just felt that that was important to share on there and also just give that disclaimer that this might be triggering for you and it might just bring up a lot. Even if you haven't gone through it, it could just be hard to listen to. Absolutely. We just wanted to give that and wanted to just kind of hear Mackenzie's story. And I know so many of you guys are interested in this. And so... Kenzie and me, but especially Kenzie, has made the decision to not allow sleepovers for her family and for her kids. And this stemmed from a really traumatic experience that she's gone through. And so, Kenzie, this is obviously your story to tell. And so why don't you kind of start out and tell us, tell us what happened. So I was in middle school um, and I was sexually assaulted by a family member um he was a minor and we were very close to this family member so it was definitely really hard um for me especially at such a young age I don't think I really even knew what was going on obviously after years of therapy and reliving it and being able to speak about it um I obviously know now how wrong it was and Um, It happened for about two years um, of the abuse happening. Um, It definitely started out one way, um, 
just inappropriate touching. Um, and by the end of the two years, it had progressively just gotten worse and worse. And yeah, that is just where the full decision to just say no sleepovers came from. And how, how old were you when, when this started and when it stopped? Um, I was in middle school. I would probably say around 11 or 12. And I think it ended when I was 13 or 14, um, around those age range. And then it just stopped. Like it happened for about two years, pretty consistently. We lived not in the same area, um, but we constantly did family vacations and they would come visit us. We'd come visit them. And, um, that's when obviously that took place, but yeah, for about two to three years. And obviously it was every time that you guys would have a sleepover and it was at either of your houses. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't really matter where, didn't really matter how, but they, this person would find a way. It didn't really matter if I locked the door to the room. I, it, it always just found a way, which obviously for me felt, cause I think at the beginning, I obviously had never thought something like that was going to happen. And so I wasn't taking like precautions. I wasn't doing those things. And then I started to feel like there are moments that I was like, it's my fault. It's, it's something I'm wearing. Like I, I remember vividly wearing like shorts as like a pajama set and then having it happen and be like, oh my gosh, that was my fault. I was giving the wrong impression. Like that was totally on me. And so at the beginning, I think I thought it was something I was portraying or putting off or something. But then towards the end when I was locking the room and kind of doing everything in my effort to make it stop and it didn't stop, um, that's when I started just realizing like what was going on. And again, I was so young that I just didn't really process it or know what to do with what was going on. It like breaks my heart to even hear that you would even think for one second that it was your fault. And obviously you know that now, but it took years. I wish I could be just like right next to you and like, this isn't your fault. Like someone, someone there because you kept it in for so long by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's another huge reason I want to share is because I know I have so many women following me and I, I know how that feels to just feel like you felt like you were wrong. You felt like it was something that you did and you hear that happen all the time, but then experiencing it firsthand is just something that you can't even really describe. Like my mom raised me so different than that. She raised me so strong and independent and to know right from wrong and to stand up for myself and I like I feel like for a really long time I almost felt like I let her down in a way like I wasn't strong and I didn't stop it I didn't say no I didn't say no loud enough I didn't make it known and I think for a really long time that was that weighed on me really hard because because I do feel like I'm a very strong powerful woman and I've grown to be that obviously the experience itself has made me feel that way but I definitely put myself down a lot because I felt like there are so many things I could have done differently. And I think you wear your heart on your sleeve and you always have. And I just can't believe that you kept something in like this for so long away from people that would just love you and help you because 
they were there. But obviously when you're in that circumstance, it doesn't feel like that. You've probably felt so alone. I think that was like the very first time in my life that I felt very alone because I have the world's greatest parents. Obviously I have the most amazing sisters and, and I know, I mean, I can say this now looking back, like my family would have been there for me and I would have, they would have helped me and taken care of me and made it better. But in the moment, I just, I felt like I was disappointing everybody. And like you said, I, I wear my heart very much on my sleeve and I'm, I'm a pretty open book. You don't, you don't keep anything. No, I don't. I, I just don't feel like there's much for me to keep to myself. So I just don't, but this is definitely one of those things that has been hard for me to just share to literally anybody. Like even just doing this, I'm learning so much about the story that I had no idea about because it's probably hard to go into these details and to relive it. You're reliving it again by telling it, but I know that this is going to just like help so many people. Yeah. And and I think that's definitely why I want to get out and share because I, and I, I feel like from a very early age, especially after telling my parents, I knew that I was going to share my story. I didn't know how, I didn't know when, I didn't know any of that, but I, I felt very passionate about one day sharing because I knew so confidently that it would help somebody. And I think that's like a huge, that was a huge comfort to me knowing like I endured this and I did something like this strong and I, I made it through, like I could tell other women that. So that was really this, I mean, this episode is just so, so important to me because I feel so strongly that There are people that need to hear it. I don't know who does. I don't know if it will help anybody, but like, I just, I feel so strong that I felt so alone. Like I felt so alone. And I was just talking to my mom the other day, like talking about the podcast and talking about how we're coming out with this. And she just reminded me about how angry of a teenager I was. Like they were going to get me on medication. I was so angry and I'm like, the opposite. That's not you at all. I'm not angry ever. So you hate confrontation. You hate being mad. Like that's not you. not I me. Not even. But I was her. so angry because of what had happened to me, and that I was boiling, keeping it inside of me for so long. And so, like going back to, to obviously the incidences, and it happened, and progressively kept getting worse, and it stopped. Like, why did it stop? I actually don't think that I really know the answer to that. It just stopped. I don't know if my abuser got scared. Um, Like I said before, it kept getting progressively worse. And the very last time was the worst. Um, And I think maybe he got scared a little bit. And maybe it scared him into never doing it again. Maybe it was the fact that both our families got really busy and we weren't really around each other anymore. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer. It just stopped, which obviously like, I'm very grateful and like glad that it stopped, but I didn't really have a say in that. Whenever you knew you were going to be like around him or see him, like what was the feeling that you, were you like just sick to your stomach? Yeah, I was sick to my stomach with the fact that we are going to see him. But I think I was almost more sick to my stomach about somebody finding out and there being a huge change in my life. Like I just, I don't handle change very well. So I think I was really scared that like 
it would come out, somebody would find out, and then, like, we would stop being able to, like, go to, because our, our, like, cousins and our aunts and uncles and our grandparents, like, we're all very, very close. We do, like, big family things very often, and I think I was really scared that, like, those things were going to be canceled, and it was, I mean, obviously, looking back, I know this, but, like, I felt like it was going to be my fault that, like, we didn't have Christmas with our family anymore, and that felt really heavy for, like, a 12-year-old, like, we're not going to have like this would be on you. It would be my fault. I, I truly, truly felt like if something changed in the relationship between our two families, that it would be because it was me. And I think I did a really good job just kind of covering it and hiding it. And well, I will say that he was closer to Kendall than he was to me. And so I was really close with his younger family member. Um, and so I knew that if we were just going in the daytime or something that I would just be hanging out with her really. Um, and if, especially if we weren't staying the night, I kind of just shook it off. Because you kind of could like push that out that at least it wouldn't be happening. Exactly. Yeah. And I still think to this day, like I can't believe I like went over and like looked him in the eye. Like I, like I couldn't imagine like thinking, that my daughter would do that. Like, that we'd walk into somebody's house that had been hurting her. And, like, she had to look him in the eye. Like, that, like, breaks my heart. Obviously, I have two daughters, but I just can't, I can't even, like, bring myself there. And it's it's definitely, like, emotional thinking back on because I was so young. I was so young. And as I've gotten older, it's been, like, a different process to deal with it through the ages that I've been. I remember when I met DJ, I started a new therapy because I felt like I had therapy in high school because of the trauma and dealing with it. And then I met DJ and I felt like I was ready to get married. And then I felt like new trauma came up, like brand new trauma that was more about trust because I felt like I had lost a lot of trust from this family um, and especially the family member that this happened with that I felt like I couldn't really trust as well as I wanted to. So I went to therapy because of that. And then as I've had children, I think having children has made it the hardest because I feel like all I think about is them. And I think about avoiding the situation. I think about protecting my own children. So then it brings up a whole different side of emotions that I haven't dealt with. So each part of my life, I feel like I close the door. And then it like gets reopened and then I close the door again and then it just gets reopened again by something happening in my life. And I, it's hard because I am like such a, let's put it behind us. Let's move past it. Like we're done. We're done. We're happy. We live this wonderful life. But then there's something that like creeps back in and I have to deal with like a whole different side of emotions with it. So there's, it's so many different emotions and it's so many different places in time of how different emotions I felt. That's, I think, just like you just described trauma. Like, that's trauma, and that's... Absolutely. Just it coming back, and obviously, like, your mindset now, and you you have a degree in psychology. Like, you know how your brain works, and you know that you'll probably have to deal with it for a long time, and you're probably still navigating it, I'm sure. Absolutely. And so you finally told someone. When did that happen? I had a really close friend in high school. I would probably call her like my first best friend. She was much older than me, um, which was really fun because I felt like a lot of my friends were in the same 
um, religion as me. And I just kind of felt like none of my friends had really dealt with like big circumstances and maybe they have and they just didn't broadcast it. But I, this friend I just felt so close to and she had been through some hard things in her life. Um, she didn't even know who her dad was. It was just her and her mom. And I just, she just was really like open and understanding. And I just feel like she had some different world outlooks than I did. And I really trusted her, I think, especially since she opened up to me so much. Um, and I also think that she was a little bit, I mean, she was like three years older than I was. And I think that really helped me with opening up to her because I felt like I was almost talking to an adult, even though I wasn't ready to talk to an adult about it. Um, this was also about probably two years after everything had stopped that I had told her. So I had been living with this by myself for about two years. And you had processed it enough to finally want to tell. And I think I was mature enough to look back on the experience and be like, oh, that was wrong. Yeah. That was not something that should have happened. And I also think we grew up very, I mean, we grew up religious in our family. We don't, we didn't really talk about sex. You don't really talk about really any of that. And so I think for a minute there, I, I, I don't think I knew how, how severe the situation was because I just didn't, I didn't really know anything about sex or about like abuse or we just, we never really had those conversations in my family. So I think that was like another huge reason that I didn't really tell anybody because I didn't really understand myself what had happened. I mean, I was a child. I was so young. And so what, when you, once you told her, like how, how long did she know before you went to the next person? Like how did that progress? I, this friend was amazing and her mom was amazing. Her mom was like the cool mom. Like she was <laughs> awesome. And I, I felt like she was like my second mom. Um, I am, I'm pretty sure she told her mom, um, and her mom told her, I, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I'm pretty sure she told her mom because then she came back to me and just gave me some really good advice. Um, just telling me that I had to go and talk to an adult and told me how severe and how huge of a deal this was. And I also think I needed to somebody to tell me that it was a huge deal because I don't know if and I it really... It wasn't just in your head. Like, exactly. This was a very serious deal. And I trusted. I think looking back, I'm like, I knew she would know that it was a big deal. And I think her being older really helped that because she like understood sex. Her mom talked to her about sex and they, they talked about all these things that I probably should have known. But like I said, we were pretty religious and it just wasn't really a conversation that we had had very much. So then it was even more awkward to try and... Exactly. And like, also because we're more on the religious side, I also was like really guilty because you hear so many things about not being worthy and not being pure and not being... Unclean. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of me felt that because it, it did happen. Because I don't think very many times I heard like, it can still happen to you and it doesn't mean you're not unworthy. It doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't mean you're not clean, but it means something bad happened to you. And I think I like just needed to hear somebody tell me that like it didn't make me a bad person and I wasn't in the wrong, even though I knew that I wasn't in the wrong. You knew it, but like you still felt that guilt just because, because you had been taught that and yeah. that's how, how it was. And so when she finally told you to go tell someone, like, what happened after that? I went and told a church leader, actually. 
Um, he was a really close family friend too. I think that's kind of why I confided in him, um, like personally. Um, so he was in charge of like our small area and then he reported to somebody higher up than him. So when I sat down with him and I talked to him, he, he was awesome. I mean, he told me everything that I needed to hear. He told me it wasn't my fault. I didn't need to feel like I was a horrible person. I didn't need to feel like it was my fault. And that was really awesome that I heard those things because I felt like hearing it from an adult, especially like a church member that I, I wasn't in the wrong. That was like really reassuring to me. Um, and basically when he went and talked to somebody higher up than him, they said, if you don't contact the girl's parents because I'm a minor, then we have to get the police involved. And of course he told me that. And he did give me some time. He gave me like, I would say like a month or two to kind of, we would sit and chat about it. And, um, and he gave me like a good amount of time before telling me that he needed to tell my parents. And he probably was trying in that time to have you, was he trying to have you come forward to your parents? Yeah. He definitely wanted me to, to do it. Like, which I appreciate. Yeah. He gave you that time to, to but also I was how old, like you knew that that wasn't going to come from you. I knew it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I think I kept telling him like every week, okay, this week I'll tell them this week, I'll tell them this week, I'll tell them. And then it just never happened. And every week you probably had that like pit in your stomach knowing that he was probably going to ask you to go tell him again. Exactly. And I think it was really like spiritually healing for me to sit down with him and speak with him about it because he was just really supportive and really like adamant about making sure that I knew like it wasn't my fault. And I feel like that was really, really healing for me to be told that like And I think anybody probably could have told me that, but that's who I chose to tell. And I'm really grateful because I really feel like it convinced me that like I wasn't a horrible person basically. Yeah. And so finally it got to that point and what happened? So I was at home and he texted me. This situation probably could have been handled a little bit better, but I also do know that he was liable. So I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt Um, and like you said, I probably wasn't going to ever tell mom and dad. I mean, I would tell them eventually, but maybe like now. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know that he definitely did the best that he could. Um, but my, so he texted me when I was at home and he said, Hey, I have your parents in tonight for a meeting, just a routine meeting. It wasn't anything to do with me. Um, and he said, I'm going to tell them, do you want to be here? And it was definitely more of like a, I'm going to tell them. Not, I'm, is it okay if I tell them? It was, it was that I'm going to tell them. And that's when I really felt the pit drop in my stomach because I knew, oh, I knew that there was no way out of it. Um, I was sitting in the office in our old house and I just remember that feeling of like, this is going to get way more real. And I. Like things are going to get worse before they're going to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I knew, yeah, I just, I knew it was going to be. A really hard pill for my parents to swallow and I knew that it was going to involve other family members and I just I don't think you can ever be ready for that like I sat on this for years before I told a soul so and even that wasn't even enough time to prepare me for 
what was going to happen like in between the families and in between just my own family. And it was, it was definitely, no, it was probably one of like the worst days of my life, but also probably one of the best days because I finally didn't feel alone anymore. And so what did you do when he texted you? He texted me and I texted him back and I was like, yeah, you can go ahead and tell them. And I like ran out into the living room just bawling because Kendall was out there and I remember just telling Kendall what happened because I knew, I knew that when my parents got home, they were going to say, Kendall, go up to your room and she's going to sit on the stairs and listen to the whole conversation. And I just, I knew that that's just, that was not what I wanted. I, I knew that Kendall would be really angry. I think I was more scared of Kendall finding out than my own parents, honestly. Um, that was really hard. Telling her was like probably one of the hardest things I had to do because I had to tell her because she wasn't in that meeting and nobody else was telling her and she just cried. And Kendall doesn't cry. Oh no, she doesn't cry. And Kat at this point was in college and so she wasn't there. Yeah, she wasn't there. I mean, obviously later down the road, my parents told her, but yeah, it was just me and Kendall at home. You hadn't joined the family yet. So it was just me and Kendall. And so mom and dad got home. Mom and I got home and they literally said, Kendall, go upstairs. And I like told them that I already told her. And at first I could tell that they were like, Kendall knew and didn't tell us. Like that was shocking. But then I was like, no, she just found out just like you guys. Um, and it was hard for me because I feel like for three years of being alone and like kind of dealing with it on my own and like, I think I'd been through all the stages of like grief or abuse, um, just personally, just myself. I wanted everybody else to be there with me. I wanted everybody to be not okay, obviously, but I wanted them to be emotionally where I was at and they obviously they weren't. So that was really hard for me because I like Kendall literally was like, I'm going to get a shovel and I'm going to kill him. Like she was so angry and I had already been sad. I'd already been mad. I'd already been angry. I'd already been guilty. I'd already felt all the emotions in the book and my family had to go through it three years later. And that was so hard. That was really, really hard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you told Kendall and mom and dad came home and they were there and you guys, I'm sure they just... I don't even really remember that conversation. I remember a lot about that day. I think I remember Kendall more than anything because that was really, really, really emotionally hard for me. Um, but like that conversation with my parents, I like, I could not even tell you what was said, to be honest with you. Just kind of, yeah. I remember dad crying oh. and that was... a knife to the heart but I don't remember what was said I remember a lot of love was felt I remember that's what I picture because knowing I mean mom and dad aren't very like emotional or touchy I guess dad is but mom isn't but when you need it they're there she's she gives it to you yes and that's it definitely felt really I feel like I was just wrapped up in love, love 
and that's what I needed and that's what I mean when I say like I definitely did not have to go through this by myself like obviously I had I was really I felt really guilty I had a lot of different emotions but like I had a family that was there for me and now I know like I can tell my family anything but in the moment like it's so twisted like I'm a psych major and I still like don't even know how I twisted myself to believe that I was in the wrong. I don't know how I twisted myself into feeling guilty. Like it is a feeling that like you really like can't even explain. Like it's, it's so scary that somebody with such confidence and was raised so strong and powerful and like you can still feel like you're just wrong. It's just, it's just being a victim and it's so scary. Um, But mom and dad, back to that, we were actually going to see them the next day and my parents wanted to tell his parents, which I agree with, obviously, but I definitely remember begging them not to say anything because I didn't, obviously I didn't want to get anybody in trouble, which was so silly because of course people should be in trouble. Um, but my parents basically were like, we have to sit down with his parents and talk to them and tell them what had happened and then they can deal with it the way that they want to deal with it. But you have to give them the chance to do that. Yes, of course. And so they went and what was like the next steps? So my parents had a lot of conversations with me about what I wanted to do. They really put the ball in my court. I think especially since I had dealt with it for a really long time, um, they really, I mean, we had like long, serious conversations about like repercussions and what we wanted to do. And I personally didn't want it to be a legal issue. I just, I didn't, looking back, I don't think I knew the severity of it being a legal issue. I just. That probably just scared you. It was scary. And that was just really heavy. Um, and my parents just really trusted me with that decision. And to Which just, I think is. I mean, I just, I give, like, so much credit to mom and dad. I just think that's so, that would be really hard as a parent to let your kid decide that when you as a parent are just, like, a protector. Yeah. And you just, like, would want to do the worst thing because. Because they did the worst thing. Because they did the worst thing. And, yeah, I just, I give a lot of credit to mom and dad for letting you make that decision on your own. And, like, obviously they were there for you through whatever you decided. But I think that that's really and I think looking back, I don't regret my decision. And I I really, truly do feel as though mom and dad were a little bit scared that growing up I would regret that decision that I made. But I don't. I really don't. I feel like it gave me... I feel like I was able to heal. And... Finally gave you a little bit of power back. It did. And I, I truly do feel like I hold the power now um, in everything that I do. And as a mom, I'm really confident, especially in the decision to not do sleepovers. And I don't know. I just, I felt like I didn't want legal action. I will say though, that I made sure a million times that this did not happen to his family member. That was like a sister to me and it didn't happen to her friends. And that was one thing I was really adamant about during this entire experience, because if it had happened to one other person, I would have a million percent taken legal action and testified and stood up there and did the whole thing because it wasn't just about me anymore. Um, 
but just, I just did, I just felt good about my decision to not press legal charges and it's a decision I still feel good with, but I also feel like pressing charges sometimes is the only way to get the closure closure for a lot of people. And I, I definitely would encourage women to speak up and to take legal action because I think it's really important, especially because it puts it out there for another woman to do the same thing. And if we all can stand together in it and to be strong and come forward, that it encourages somebody else to come forward. And I think that that's definitely a pattern that should be happening is one woman after another, just following each other and feeling strong enough and powerful enough to stand up to their abuser. Um, my situation was just a little bit different and I did get closure and I feel like I really closed that door and that chapter and felt good about where I was. And so obviously no legal, like you said, you decided that and that was okay and you felt closure with that and that was good. What, what happened like with his family? I don't know exactly what happened. Um, obviously I'm not at their house behind closed doors, so I don't know if there was punishment or if there wasn't, I will definitely say from the outside, it did not seem like there was any punishment. And I definitely do feel like that was really, really hard for mom and dad. I think it was less hard for me just because I've been dealing with it for so long and have kind of dealt with a lot of the trauma of it. Obviously, like I said, there's new trauma that comes with every stage of life. But I mean, for mom and dad, that was, I think, pretty hard for them to see, to feel as though there was not any sort of repercussions on him. And like I said, I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but from the outside, it did look like kind of nothing had happened to him. And that was really hard. Back to after, after you told mom and dad, like you said, one of your biggest things was that you were scared things were going to change. So what changed? Did anything change? Yeah. One of my biggest fears changed. Um, the first year coming out of it. Also, I will say that we didn't involve any other family members. My mom has a good amount of siblings and we didn't tell any of them. And so you just really wanted that to be between. I really wanted that to be between our families. Um, for a while, I mean, now all of our aunts and uncles know, um, because it was like, we stopped going to some things and you could tell there was some tension it was just like got impossible to hide. And then I also got to the age where I was old enough to decide what I wanted to do with those that information. Um, and I'm really close with all my aunts. So that's another thing is like, I feel like I really couldn't have not told them because we were really close. But we did miss Christmas that year. Um, and that was the first apology I got from him it was over Christmas. He had texted and just said, I'm really sorry if I'm the reason that you guys aren't at Christmas. Like, that was basically it. That was the only time I really ever heard him say that he was sorry. His parents have said sorry. His sister has said sorry. They have nothing to apologize for. Um, but that was about the only time I think I ever heard I was that he was sorry. Um, so that was hard. And that was over Christmas. That was also really hard because it was the first Christmas we weren't there. Mom and dad obviously didn't make it like, we missed Christmas because we didn't want to see him. It was more, it's the only day we could book the cabin in Utah. And like we had done snowboarding over Christmas. So it wasn't like completely out of the ordinary to do that. But I just knew, I mean, I knew it, just what it was, what it was. Um, so that did change. 
but I, but we have seen him at some other family functions, um, like big family functions, like a wedding or Christmas or something along those lines. Um, so we have, I have seen him since everything came out. The family dynamic had for sure changed kind of in every single way. Um, around this time was when you started living with us. Do you remember what I told you? I do actually. I like, I, I don't remember our exact conversation, but I remember it pretty like, I remember even like where we were, we were sitting in the bug and you, we were gonna like be at a family function and they were maybe gonna be there. Like we didn't know, you didn't know, mom didn't know. Um, and so you had told me like, I hadn't met them yet. So you were kind of just like prefacing me on, on like the family situation in case like, I don't know, just so I knew of course. And I remember you like telling me the story of it. And I think that I was just like, I mean, I was very hurt because I just like, couldn't like believe that that had happened to you. But I was just like, also just shocked because I don't know, I feel like you never know what somebody's going through on the outside. And when you finally like learn something, you just gain a whole new light and appreciation and respect for them because you can, I don't know, you feel for them and you're empathetic and you are sympathetic and you feel all the emotions for them and with them. And I definitely felt that with you. And I just felt like, I don't know, how could we be so close? And I, and I like had no idea that this had happened to you. And so I think obviously I was really glad you told me before going into it. And I don't even remember if they were there. I don't even remember my first time, like meeting him or meeting them or anything like that. And like you said, like, I mean, their family, we, I love their family. Like they're, they're great. And so I think, I don't know, I was just shocked more than anything. Like I said, just knowing a person so deeply, I felt like I knew everything about you. And then I and like you said, I'm a very open book. So I was just, yeah, I was, I don't know. Well, and like we said on the last episode too, like when you came into our house, like you thought this is perfect. Like this is perfection. This is what a family should be. And you thought all these things. And I think that that was kind of hard for me to tell you because I almost felt like you held me to like this different standard. And like, I don't know, like you thought nothing. And I did, had... but that, that like even personalized you more to me. Like it was just like, wow. Like even somebody that is so happy can go through something so hard. I do remember the first Christmas that you came to with us. Um, it was like pretty soon after everything. Yeah. I think that first Christmas was really hard because we weren't there and you weren't part of our family yet. And then the following Christmas was like a Christmas. I have a picture of us sitting on the swing outside. Do you yeah. remember that? And I almost feel like that's when Kendall moved to college and it was even harder for me. And it just felt like that's just like, like I needed you then more than I needed somebody ever. And I just felt like feeling really, really alone for so long and then feeling really steady with you. And I just never, I just never had a shadow of a doubt in my mind that you would just be by my side. And that's just always how it's been till this day. And I remember just walking in there, just being like, I have you. So I kind of just had everything and he couldn't take that. And nobody could take that. And I didn't feel alone anymore. I, 
Like definitely, I vividly remember that. I remember the picture we took on that swing. I remember being there and now that you're saying that, like all of these emotions are rushing back because I remember seeing him for the first time. I remember being in there and I don't know. It felt weird. It felt really weird. As much as you don't want to like, I don't know, think about it or act like it's different or anything, it is. It is. And like it's hard to be in the same room as him. I can't imagine what you feel, but for me who like, I don't know, I just, obviously I love you so much and you're like, you're always there just like you said and I don't know, it's just, it's very hard and, but I, I do remember that Christmas. I remember being there. I remember us being outside because it was a lot. It was a lot to be in there and be next to him. And you are more like Kendall. You're more like, I am. you're I'm, dead to me. Yeah. I'm like, you do something wrong. Like... I don't know. You don't really fake it till you make it. I don't. You just I'm, are I who you are. I just cannot. I can't fake it. I just, it's very hard for me. And I'm just kind of like, okay, you done me wrong. You're out of my life. And like, I'm more of like. You're very forgiving. I'm very forgiving. And not that I forgive him, but I do feel like I've tried really hard to forgive him. And I really, for a long time, I would have said I forgave him. Probably. I probably would have said I forgave him. But. Now that I'm older, I just don't think that's possible. No. And I really wanted to. And for so long, I think I did say, like, oh, I forgave him. Yeah. But And like you said earlier, that's your way of dealing with trauma, too. You, absolutely. you push it behind you. And not that you don't deal with it and you ignore it, but I think it's once, make it. <laughs> once you've done it, you're done with it. And, like, it's behind you and you don't have to go there again. But with this, I mean, you do have to go there. And you have to go there. And I think that's what's different about my situation than a lot of other people's situations is that I do still see him. And I feel like that is really like, people just don't really get that. You didn't get it. But I was like so confused. And if I told my family, I do never, I never want to see him again. My mom would have called his mom and would have said, he's not allowed at things. And yeah. they would have respected that. Yeah. Um, and I know they would have because we've been asked. His, but you didn't want that change. I didn't want that change. It. And I also know how sensitive his family member is that I is like a sister to me I know how sensitive she is I know that if Christmas was like canceled or they didn't get to go or something like it would have been really hard for her and I loved her so much I love her so much that I didn't want her life to change because of something that somebody else did and I just I didn't feel like it was fair that she had to be punished for it too and I knew in my heart she would have felt that way and I just, I cared about her so much. And I also do think that living with it by myself for like two or three years, really, I mean, I saw him very, very often. We, our families were very close. And so I feel like I had the opportunity to get used to looking him in the eye and got used to seeing him and just moving past it. That when everybody else found out, they didn't have the three years to process like I did. And it definitely took them a lot longer I, Kendall has been in the same room as him one time. She still refuses to be in the same room as him. And it's been 10 years. I don't blame her though. And that's how, like you said, that it was very hard and she's angry. Which I get. And, and she's allowed she's to She's allowed be. to feel whatever feelings she wants because it doesn't, I mean, of course it hurts you more than it hurts anybody, but it does hurt everybody else around you. It really hurt Kendall very much. And I mean, I know it hurt me it hurt mom and dad it hurt it hurt everybody and I just think everyone respected my decision 
because I was at the forefront of it. Obviously, I was the most hurt and I was the one saying that I still wanted family things to be normal. I still wanted to do the normal Christmas or like not tell somebody they couldn't come to a wedding. I feel like you took something from me and you don't get to take anything else from me. And I've been like very much like that this entire this entire time because I feel like I want to see him and his family and I mean I think this is if anybody that wronged you you want to seem like you did something wrong to me but I still made it out and I still am who I am and what happened to me doesn't define me and I think you've talked about that even before with your experience like you never wanted to be like the foster kid I hated like that label but as I've gotten older and realized like yes I'm not the foster girl. I wasn't the foster girl, but I was to the point that it was part of who I was, but it wasn't who I was. And that's kind of the same thing that I think. I think it shaped who I am, but it doesn't define who I am. No, and not at all. you took something so, so special. You took that away from me. I can't get that back. Like that will never, ever be something I can get back. You can't have anything else. You do not get an ounce of my time. One you, ounce of any anything. Anything. And I think that makes me feel very powerful and very in control. And I was not in control. And I think now being able to make the decisions and be the one in, in control and the one that's powerful, I never want it to be. I, I personally, and I know that this is just my one opinion and people can think something different and if you're a victim you are allowed to feel the way that you want to feel and that is a hundred percent okay but for me personally I just felt like you just don't deserve an ounce you don't you don't deserve to know that you hurt me you did hurt me you hurt me in ways that I will never recover from but also look at my life I'm happy and I'm happily married and I have wonderful children and I have a wonderful home and a wonderful family like you didn't ruin my life no I have trauma and it you will stick with me forever, forever, but it doesn't make me who I am. No, it shaped me to who I am. It shaped me to make the decisions that I've made, but it's not. And you've said that about being a mom and your family situation as well. Yeah. It definitely, it like enlightens you and it, and it makes you be better in, in every way. And not that you have to go through something that big or traumatic, but any experience in life, that is hard and that you make it through, like, let it be, let it give you power because that's honestly the number one thing that I can take from all my experiences is that I have power now. I have power over my life. I have power over my children's lives. I, and when you have power taken away from you, especially for you at your childhood with your parents and your family, you didn't have any power there that was taken from you. So now the power means a thousand times more. It does. And I mean, that's exactly how you feel. You had no control over what was happening to you for years. And now you do. And you have control over your life and also your daughter's life and your son's life. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's amazing to like finally feel that you have that power back. Yeah. And it does take so much time and everybody obviously hits that time at different places, but definitely I feel definitely like when I'm, I feel motivated almost when I see him because I know like I have a good life and 
So where where is his life at now? So he's married. Um, they have a child. I don't know much more than that. Um, his wife seems really nice. She's really... I think I've only talked to her a few times. Um, I've only talked to her a few times, but there was a time that she actually found out about the situation. She, I don't think she knew when they got married. Um, I could be wrong on that. I obviously, I don't know, but I don't think she knew when they got married. And then somehow, some way she found out. And I think that was really hard for her. She actually sent me an email, um, around a Christmas, like right when Payson was, she was like eight months old. So that was traumatic. She sent you that email and obviously I know what it said, but why don't you explain it? I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt a little bit. And I think she deserves that because I don't know. I mean, I'm not living her life. I have no idea how I would have reacted to finding something out about my husband that way. So I'll give her a little bit of that. Yeah, um, I, I really can't imagine that. No. And so that, that is one of the reasons I'm like trying to really not be mad about it. But it was a pretty horrible email. I think she had the good intentions, but, um, it was just really inappropriate. I think for me, like you're my abuser's wife and you're sending me an email like that. Like I've said, like I've closed doors and this opened a new door and it opened a new door on the same time that I had my daughter, which was like her first Christmas. And I, it was just, I just don't think she said the right things in the email. And I think she tried to, but it just didn't come out right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I saw and read the email, and I was very, I was very mad about it. I just thought it was really inappropriate, like you said, and it was just. You I, were more mad. I was just I think. mad because I just I was like, you just don't have any right place, shape, form to reach out to you. That's something that you can take up with your husband and a therapist or however you need to deal with it. Like I, I totally understand that that's. It's very traumatic for her to find out which whenever she did or however she did. But I just thought that, I don't know. I was just mad that, that it opened that door for you that you had already closed. And also in that email, there was a spot where she said that it was teenage boy hormones. And that just rubbed me the wrong way because all teenage boys have hormones and I'm sorry, but not all teenage boys act out on them the way that that happened. That is just zero excuse. And I think too, like for me personally, like I was in a good place. I'm in a good place. Like I obviously like didn't let that affect me, but like, what if I wasn't, what if I wasn't in a good place? What if I still felt guilty? What if I still believe that it was my fault? And she sent me that email about basically being my fault. Maybe not my fault, but not his fault. It wasn't his fault either. There was no fault to be taken, but I'm sorry there was there is fault to be taken and that's zero percent of that is on you yeah and you know that now of but course. what if you didn't exactly and I feel like I was like I'm in a good place I don't really give this a second thought you were you were so mad I was just yeah I just felt so gross about it I felt like it was just inappropriate and I was just I was not happy it was definitely inappropriate and that was around that I mean that was Payson's first Christmas and I think it was like when I saw what it did to you and yes like okay I'm not gonna give this a second thought but I don't, it just, like you said, it opened doors that, one, you had closed, and two, new doors that were open to, like... Okay. Your guys' relationship might have been affected by this, and I'm really sorry that it is. It doesn't affect me. That's not your problem to deal with at this point, and I think that that is, like, my biggest reason. I just felt so, like, this is not... Why is this being put on you now? 
that it was teenage boy hormones that this happened to you. Like you said, you can go to therapy. You can deal with that you in another way. You probably should. Yeah, definitely. But that just felt so wrong to me. And I, I yeah, when I think about it, I still get mad. You do. And I think I'm just, I'm more like Kendall as well. I definitely like, you do me wrong. And like, it's very hard for me to like forgive and forget. That's just not my personality. I don't fake it till I make it. I just can't. I just cannot. And I think that that's just been like hard for me to just, and you're really good at that. Yeah, because we saw them at Christmas a week you had later. To. And yeah, I was. That was, that was more recently the hardest part of everything. I think that was like the most recent experience that I had because it was about two years ago. And then we had to see them at Christmas. And that's like, I had Payson. Like I had my daughter. And it just, like I said before, I think. Every stage of my life is a different part of trauma, and I imagine I'll face trauma as Payson gets older, and at the age that I was, like, I'll be very protective, and I think I'll definitely experience different emotions at that point, too, but having a daughter and having a, not even a daughter, I mean, I have a son now, and that even makes it hard, too, but having children and having to, it just, it's very different. It's very different bringing your child into a home you know that person that really hurt you is and just wanting to protect your own child from everything and that was a really that was really hard and that was just a whole new set of emotions that got brought up and that's just when I really started thinking like how am I gonna raise my kids how am I gonna fix this that this does not happen to my children what what is in your control what's in my control and I know that there's and a lot of people have said that like you can't control everything you can't put your kids in a bubble and I I know that. Like, I am not a strict mom. I am very, I'm very easygoing about almost everything, but this is just one of those things, like, this has affected every single aspect of my life. I don't want to say that. I don't want to give that power to somebody, but it has affected my entire life. Yeah. How on earth could I feel good about it affecting my children's life? Like, that is just something I have complete control over. And that is part of the power you have. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I don't have ch- control over my children lying to me or sneaking out or, you know, going off to college. Like, there's the friends they make. Exactly. And so my kids are going to make mistakes and that's going to be okay. Those mistakes will not be my fault. And not that it's the parents' fault when it happens. It's 0%, negative percent my parents' fault. My parents are the world's greatest parents. But my mom does say if she could do it differently, she would have done it differently. And of course, looking back, but that's why you take that knowledge and you take her advice and you you take what didn't happen in your childhood and you make it and bring it into your family and into your kids. Exactly. Lives. And even for you, you Completely. are taking so many things from your childhood and being like, that is not what I want to do with my kids. Yes, and, and not necessarily because it's the parents' fault, but because... You, you live in the experiences you go through shape you. Absolutely. For sure they shape you. And I think that as moms, I, I'm not shaming anybody that wants to have sleepovers. I think not at all. I had so many fun sleepovers as a child. Are you kidding me? There was so many fun sleepovers that I had. Like I made some good memories at sleepovers. And if you didn't have a traumatic experience at a sleepover, there's honestly not a ton of reason for you to feel so passionate about it. But like you said, there are things that shape you as a parent, and this is just one of mine. And so that's why I get very sensitive when I, like, talk about it on Instagram. Like, I've just stopped altogether because it hurts me, like, 
to my core when people are like, Payson's not going to have friends because you don't let sleepovers. It's like, do you have any idea what happened in my life? You don't. And I know that. And I know that that's not that person's fault and they're bitter and that's their own issue. But that hurts. Those comments hurt so bad because I am literally just trying to not let what happened to me happen to my kids. And I don't think that makes me a bad mom. Not at all. And you're just taking the knowledge that you have and the experiences you've had and you're protecting your babies. Like that's what our jobs are as moms. And yes, we're not going to put our kids in a bubble, but if we can control that little aspect of their life and hope that we can prevent and even teach them. I think that's another huge thing that I will do a little bit differently. Like especially, I mean, I think also that, the times that we were into were very different. Generations like, have changed dramatically. So much. And so I don't blame my parents for like not talking about sex or like any it of just that. It like wasn't really But like thing. now, like that is going to be such a conversation I have with my kids. Like first of all, consent and what that means at such an early age and like where we are allowed to be touched and who's allowed to touch and what our body parts are. I think that those conversations are so important to have. You don't need to be telling your four-year-old about this experience that you had when you were sexually abused. But I think with your teenager, you can have that conversation. I mean, I don't know what I'll do when I get to that point, obviously, but. Well, and I think that that's one of the blessings of being a mom is you, you have mom intuition for sure. And you have it in your gut, the feeling that you have when you should tell them. And I think that that will come naturally. And I don't think there's like, okay, on their 12th birthday, I'm going to sit them down and I'm going to start talking (laughs) to them. Like, I just don't, I don't, I won't do that. Well, and every 12 year olds different well exactly like you have to know your kids and you have to use your mom intuition and your gut to to like help you navigate those conversations and but you need to have those conversations yeah they can't it doesn't they can't just be slept in a rug they can't i know it's uncomfortable in today's day they just they They can't can't. if they don't learn this from you they will learn it from somebody else it's a matter of time it's not a matter of well you want them to learn in a comfortable safe educational way you don't want them to learn from the 13 year old that they're spending the night with watching porn like no No. like they need to learn it from the parents and I think that's something that has made my parenting style the way it is like obviously Payson's too but like I just I feel like I am very already thinking of it I'm already thinking of the ways I want to communicate with my children as they get older and I I mean I think a lot of parents do those based off of experiences that they've had of course like things that are really important to them and what they want to do um so there's so much more to we want to talk about. Obviously, we're going to do a part two um, that we're going to come out with this week. Um, this is obviously a huge part of the sleepovers for me and Jamie personally. Um, but there are a lot of other reasons. As I've been looking into not doing sleepovers with my kids, there's been a lot more things that have come up and things that I've learned from you guys as well when I asked you your opinions and if you had any sleepover experiences. Like We want to share some of those and we want to share some other reasons why we've decided this for our kids because this is obviously the biggest but there are other reasons yeah there definitely is and we're going to talk about that but we did want to give this space and this time for Kenzie to really share her story and so hopefully touch some of you guys and help you navigate the decisions of motherhood and the decisions of sleepovers and to also just bring awareness to to this story and to sexual assault and all that this encompasses and so our second part of this, we will go more into like bullying, pornography, hazing, 
all of that gossiping, stuff. gossiping, bullying. yeah, parents lying for oh, yeah for their underage kids. drinking. I mean, the list goes on and on, honestly, about why we've decided this. But this was the biggest reason and the biggest part, and so we definitely wanted to share that. And there will be a part two, and we will. Bring that out this week. We don't know exactly when. It'll be probably Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday or but Thursday. just keep on your notifications because it'll be it one of those days this week. And please reach out to us with your thoughts on this podcast. And we're just hoping that this can really touch some of you guys. And Kenzie really um, is so brave to share this story. And we just thank you guys for being here and listening and supporting us every day. So like and download and Send us a review. Send us messages. They mean the world. Um, But thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Codependent Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.